0: This program is made possible by the members and donors to the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, this episode was originally posted on June 15, 2006, and was promoted at the time and remains to this day one of my favorite editions I've ever done. It contains Keith Olbermann's first appearance on the show, as well as a pretty vulgar reference to Ann Coulter's penis. So, uh, earmuff the kids for this one. Enjoy. Welcome to the best of the left podcast, with clips today from The Majority Report, Counterspin, Ring of Fire, The Young Turks, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, and the White Knight of Cable News, Keith Olbermann.
1: Mom! 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 Why did
2: you do that to me?
3: No, no, no! This is not uh, this was not me uh, on Mother's Day. No, uh, folks, that was uh, a guy named Richard Cohen. And uh, if you remember back, I don't know, was this a week ago, uh, Justin? It must have been about a week ago, yeah. right? Uh, CNN ru- uh, ran this six or seven minute piece on reparative therapy. <laughs> it is the the ex-gay gay movement or the ex-gay movement. Which turns out to be more, uh, more like an XX gay movement for most of these people. Uh, I've mentioned that, uh, we, uh, cover, uh, groups like this Exodus, uh, of one of them in, uh, Fubar, America's right-wing nightmare on sale right now. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, and, and there's more come out about this guy. Uh, and, and the whole piece was just, it, it was disgusting. I mean, it's just another example of the media with their, so-called objectivity refusing to insert any common sense or any known facts into a piece i mean I, I i it's hard for me to imagine any type of report on reparative therapy uh that wasn't done by like a consumer fraud uh, reporter but they present material like well the uh the fundamentalists say that um The world is flat. And, of course, there are other people who say the world is round. You decide, folks. The fundamentalists say that uh, babies are uh, delivered by storks. Other people say that they're born out of the womb of a woman. You decide. You sound like an NPR host. No kidding. (laughs) No kidding. Well, uh, via crooksandliars.com, which, incidentally... Always has the best video, audio clips of the day, the week, uh, whenever it is. Our buddy John Amato over there. uh, He's got a post up from the Washington Post, apparently did a a piece on this guy, Richard Cohen, and his reparative therapy. Uh, It turns out this guy has been married for nearly 23 years to a woman. Uh, Because he's got his issues out. I guess, you know, he had problems with his mom or something with his dad. And that's why he felt like he was gay. But he went through his therapy of hitting the tennis racket on a a couch. Why
1: did
2: you do that to me?
3: And um, that seems to be going well. Uh, His reparative therapy has supposedly cured him of the disease of being gay. I mean, just to give you a notion of how they perceive this. So the man has been married for 23 years, according to the Washington Post. It was an arranged marriage that he said was suggested by the Reverend Sun Young Moon <laughs> when he and his wife were members of the Unification Church, which they belonged to for 20 years. Wait a minute, Reverend Sun Young Moon. Reverend Sun Young Moon. Now, if you don't know who he is... <laughs> oh, that... Now, the issue isn't that he sounds a little crazy. Although he does sound a little crazy. He does sound a little crazy. The issue is that he's crazy. (laughs) Uh, This guy has uh, either hoodwinked or, you know, gives enough money to some of these uh, congressmen that he was anointed the next messiah in a congressional office about uh, three years ago, I think it was. He was crowned, I believe. Crowned, anointed. I mean, let's not split hairs here. Because I'm not exactly sure how it happens. Uh, this guy owns the Washington Times. He um, is uh, violently anti-gay. And uh, he's a real lunatic who is a big funder of uh, the right-wing conservative movement. And in return, they obviously, they relax media controls and they allow him to buy things and they overlook certain discrepancies uh, about his business practices, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, but this comes up. Now, remember, this guy is a uh, reparative th- therapist, I guess. He is not licensed as a therapist, he explained. So apparently he's not a licensed reparative therapist. And there's a good reason for this in the general generic sense. One is that it's not a licensed profession. The other one is because he, quote, didn't want to jump through the hoops and deal with the heterophobia An anti-ex-gay (laughs) attitude. The heterophobia, folks. He circumvents the licensing requirement by asking for donations to his foundation. I'm not doing therapy per se, he said. Mom! 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 Why did you do that to me? I'm coaching, he added. In 2002, Cohen was permanently expelled from the American Counseling Association for multiple ethical violations. I'm sure he was just set up by the heterophobic cabal. Permanent expulsion is a rarely used sanction, according to David Kaplan, chief professional officer of the Alexandria-based organization. David Kaplan sounds like a Jewish heterophobist. Kaplan said Cohen was found to have violated six sections of the ACA's ethics code, which bars members from actions that, quote, seek to meet their personal needs at the expense of clients. Mom! 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 Why did you do that to me? Now, I I don't know the details, but maybe it just means that he stole somebody's tennis racket. Now, if this is reparative therapy, getting uh, gay people to pretend to be straight... Right. The opposite, where, you know, closeted gay people should just be who they are. Yes, live their lives, accept uh, I- I- accept themselves, feel good about themselves as human beings, uh, be productive members of society who, who feel that they have self-worth. Right. Yes. You know what that's called? Therapy. Right. There you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> apparently, uh, it says, um, which bars members from actions that seek to meet their personal needs at the expense of clients those that exploit, quote, the trust and dependency of clients and for soliciting testimonials or promoting products in a deceptive manner. Hmm. You know, it's weird that uh, CNN went through their entire six-minute piece on it, never brought up the fact that he is a con man or that, excuse me, I want to be objective here and fair and balanced, that the governing body that licenses therapists in this country felt that he was a con man. So much so that they had to take the very rare step of expelling him from the professional association. Unbelievable. There you have it, folks. Uh, There's your uh, corporate media. When I wake up Well, I know I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the man who wakes up next to you When I go out, yeah, I know I'm going to be I'm going to be the man
4: who goes along with you If
3: I get drunk, well, I know I'm going to be I'm going to be the man who gets drunk next to you And if I have her, yeah, I know I'm going to be I'm going to be the man who's heavering
4: to you
5: Abraham Lincoln did not shoot John Wilkes Booth, Titanic did not sink a North Atlantic iceberg, and Fox News is neither fair nor balanced. These are simple historical facts intelligible to all adults, most children, and some of your more discerning domesticated animals. But not, as the third story on the countdown proves yet again, not to billow. Countdown presents Fact
6: or Fiction, wherein we catch that bastard Bill O'Reilly lying again. Oh, wait, Bill, hold
5: still. Allow me to soil myself on you. Victory is mine! The guilty pleasure offered by the existence of Bill O'Reilly is simple and understandable. 99 times out of 100, when we belly up to the Billow bar of bluster. Nearly every time we partake of the movable falafel feast, he serves us nothing but comedy. Farce, slapstick, unconscious self-mutilation, the sideshow bob of commentators forever stepping on the same rake, forever muttering the same grunt of inarticulate surrender, forever resuming the circle that will take him back to the same rake. The Sisyphus of morons, if you will. But this is the 100th time out of 100. It is not funny at all. Bill O'Reilly has, for the second time in just under eight months, slandered at least 84 dead American servicemen. He has turned them, again, from victims of the kind of atrocity our country has always fought against into perpetrators of that kind of atrocity. He has made these Americans into war criminals. They are dead and have been dead for 61 years. They cannot defend themselves against O'Reilly. We will have to do it for them. Last October, Bill O'Reilly railed against a ruling that more photos from the infamous Abu Hirab prison in Iraq might be released. His guest on his program was Wesley Clark. Clark is a retired four-star general, was, for four years, supreme allied commander of NATO in Europe. First in his class at West Point, wounded in Vietnam, earned the Bronze Star, the Silver Star, and has streets named for him in Alabama and in Kosovo. Therefore naturally, O'Reilly knows much more about the military than General Clark does. Clark defended the release of the additional Abu Ghraib pre- uh, photos, saying we needed to know what happened and to correct it. O'Reilly lectured him and concluded that there had always been atrocities, even by Americans, in war.
7: General, General you need to look at the Malmedy massacre in World War II in the 82nd era Bill war
5: It was a remarkable mistake. The Belgian town of Malmedy did lend its name to one of the most appalling battlefield war crimes of the 20th century. But O'Reilly's implication that the Americans committed it was entirely backwards. Americans, most of them members of Battery B of the 285th Field Artillery Observation Battalion, surrendered to German panzer troops and were then shot by their captors from the SS. Yet O'Reilly had implied that the Americans had massacred these Germans in this one stark moment of the Battle of the Bulge. And he used this Alice through the looking glass view of history to somehow rationalize Abu Hireb while trying to dress down a four-star American general. Still, it could have been a mistake. We make them. Even historians do. O'Reilly had not explicitly called the Americans the war criminals of Malmedy. Our troops, too, were accused of crimes against prisoners in the Second World War. It was assumed last year he had simply made a foolish error, and though he got beaten up appropriately in some places, it was all largely dismissed as merely that, a mistake. Then came this Tuesday night. Again O'Reilly's guest was General Wes Clark. This time the topic was the apparent murder of Iraqi civilians at Haditha. That O'Reilly was dismissive of that event should be no surprise. That he should have described as the real crime of Iraq, the events of Abu Ghraib should be no surprise to those who know of his willingness to jettison his most important beliefs of yesterday for the expediencies and the ratings of today. But that he should have brought up Malmedy again, that was a surprise. In Malmedy, as you know, U.S. forces captured SS
7: forces who had their hands in the air, and they were unarmed, and they shot them down. You know that. That's on the record, been documented.
5: Thus was the full depth of Bill O'Reilly's insult to the American dead of World War II made clear. The mistake of last October was not some innocent slip nor misremembered history. This was the way O'Reilly understood it, and thus this way it had to be. No errors corrected, no apologies offered, no stopping the relentless tide of bull, even briefly enough to check one fact. The facts of Malmedy are terrifying. As described by Michael Reynolds in his painstakingly detailed article from a 2003 issue of World War II magazine, one week before Christmas 1944, 139 U.S. soldiers, most of them from the 285th Field Artillery, encountered the German Kampfgruppe Piper the leading formation of the German 1st SS Panzer Division, one of only two German units in the entire war, which actually carried Adolf Hitler's name. The Americans were overrun. Eleven of the 139 soldiers were killed in the very short Battle of Malmedy. Two more were killed as they tried to flee. Seven escaped, six became prisoners of war. The other 113 Americans, nearly all of whom had surrendered outright, were ordered to assemble in an open field next to a restaurant, the Café Bodarway. What happened next has been attributed to many things. A cold-blooded decision by that Panzer Unit Commander, Colonel Joachim Piper, that he could not handle the prisoners, or an unjustifiable overreaction to some kind of escape attempt, or simply horrible mass murder. Within 15 minutes, the SS Colonel, or someone directly under him, had ordered his men to shoot the unarmed American POWs. The bodies at Malmedy were not found until a month later. There were 84 of them, all American soldiers. More than half showed gunshot wounds to their heads. Six had received fatal blows to the head. Nine were found with their arms still raised above their heads. The fact that O'Reilly got these horrible facts completely backwards, twice, offended even his usually compliant viewers from his program Wednesday night.
7: Don Caldwell, Fort Worth, Texas. Bill, you mentioned that Malady as the site of an American massacre during World War II it was the other way around. The SS shot down U.S. prisoners. In the heat of the debate with General Clark, my statement wasn't clear enough, Mr. Caldwell. After Malmedy, some German captives were executed by American troops.
5: Wrong answer. When you are that wrong, when you are defending Nazi war criminals and pinning their crimes on Americans and you get caught doing so twice, you're supposed to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong, and then you're supposed to shut up for a long time. Instead, Fox washed its transcript of O'Reilly's remarks Tuesday. Its website claims O'Reilly said, in Normandy, when, as you heard, in fact he said, in Malmedy. The rewriting of past reporting worthy of George Orwell has now carried over into such online transcription services as Burrells and Factiva. Whatever did or did not happen later in supposed or actual retribution, the victims at Malmedy were Americans, gunned down while surrendering by Nazis in 1944, and again, Tuesday night and Wednesday night, by a false patriot who would rather be loud than right. In Malmedy, as you know, Bill O'Reilly said on the air Tuesday night in some indecipherable attempt to defend the events of Haditha, U.S. forces captured SS forces who had their hands in the air and were unarmed, and they shot them dead. You know that. That's on the record and documented. The victims at Mamadi in December 1944 were Americans. Americans with their hands in the air. Americans who were unarmed. That's on the record and documented. And their memory deserves better than Bill O'Reilly. We all did.
8: And finally, for those who aren't actually part of the elite media, sometimes it's hard to get insight into how big-time reporters really think. One way to gauge the media's conventional wisdom is by reading The Note, an online journal of the political unit of ABC News. On May 25th, The Note was offering its usual political gossip, this time about the Democrats' chances in the midterm elections. ABC wrote that the Democrats, quote, will be in their hearts for higher taxes, universal health care, a heightened Emphasis on civil liberties and a dramatic and swift reduction of troops from Iraq. Close quote. And what's the point of all that? Well, the note tells us quote, the Democrats just have to hope that the American people don't find out until February. Okay, so the Democrats are holding on to a surplus of wacky, unpopular ideas. It's not so surprising to learn that reporters think that. The value of things like the note is that we get to hear them say so. But are those ideas something Democrats really need to hide from voters? Well, no, they're actually pretty popular if ABC's own polling is any indication. Democrats hold a clear advantage on handling Iraq, the public wants fewer U.S. troops in that country, and the public favors universal health coverage. Now, this is not to say that a Democratic majority in Congress would do these things. That's unlikely. But if they did, chances are people would like it. Reporters, on the other hand, well, we know how they feel already.
1: Doesn't love this.
9: Uh, Zan Coulter appearing on the Today Show today um, uh, with uh, Matt Lahr, the host of the Today Show. All right, here we go.
7: On the 9/11 window, widows, and in particular a group that had been outspoken and critical of the administration, these self-obsessed women seemed genuinely unaware that 9/11 was an attack on our nation, and acted as if the terrorist attack only happened to them. They believed the entire country was required to marinate in their exquisite personal agony. Apparently, denouncing Bush was an important part of their closure process, and this part is is the part I really need to talk to you about. These broads are millionaires, lionized on TV and in articles. About them, reveling in their status as celebrities and stalked by grief araxies. I've never seen people enjoying their husband's death so much. Yes. Because they dare to speak out?
10: To speak out using the fact that they're widows. This is the left's doctrine of infallibility. If they have a point to make about the 9 11 Commission, about how to fight the war on terrorism, how about sending in somebody we're allowed to respond to? No, no, no. We always have to respond to someone who just had a family member die. But the because then if in the we respond, oh, you're questioning their authenticity. No, so the grieve, story but is. Grieve quietly. No, the story is an attack on the nation. And by the that way. That requires a foreign policy response. And that by does the way, not entail. They also the Expertise. the Clinton administration for That's their not, failures leading no, to No, not the ones I'm talking about. No, 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 no. no, no. But is your message to them just grieving? No, no, no. They were grieving. cutting commercials for Kerry. They were using their grief in order to make a political so point while preventing anyone from if responding. If you
7: lose a husband, you no longer have the, the right to have a political point of view?
10: No, but don't use the fact that you lost a husband as the basis for your being able to talk about it while preventing people from responding. <laughs> Let Matt Lauer make the point. Let Bill Clinton make the point. Don't put up someone I'm not allowed to respond to without questioning the authenticity well, but of the Well, you are allowed and to r- respond to them. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah I did. Well,
7: right, so in other words... But that is th- the point they, and, and of they... liberal
10: infallibility, of putting up Cindy Sheehan of putting out these widows of putting out and Joe Wilson. No, 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 you can't respond. It's their doctrine of infallibility. Well, what I'm saying is have they... somebody else make the argument. I'm then. saying
7: is I don't think they've ever told you you can't respond. So why can't they Look, make? You're their getting point? testy with no, me. No, no, I'm just. I think, oh. a, I think it's a. I think it's a, I think it's a dramatic, <laughs> dramatic statement. These broads, you know, are, are millionaires. Yeah, you think I great great be able to I've about. never seen people enjoying their husband's death
10: mm-hmm. so much. They're, they're, yes, they're all over the news.
3: So are you?
1: Uh, okay. It, she's grotesque. Okay, now, I, I got. Let me go first, if I may. No, I let me go
9: first. Uh, she, uh, she, uh, the left's doctrine of infallibility. She made up. <laughs> that's that. that's her new go-to phrase. Where did I leave that thin air? I got to get something out of it. So she. But then, what I like best is you're not allowed to respond to them because they they' they're cloaked in the in the 9/11. The, the she's written a book. he was reading from her book she couldn't figure that out. Uh, uh, the, 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 they sort of cloak themselves in the despair of their personal tragedy and it therefore prevents a response. This is a woman who wrote a book called Treason that accused liberals and Democrats of treason against the United States for speaking out against the president. I'm not sure you could do better on irony than that 40 seconds with Ann Coulter, followed by the knowledge that her book, Treason, Liberal Treachery from the Cold War to the War on Terrorism, where she, again, accused everyone who who was disloyal to the President of the United States as committing
1: treason.
11: Beyond that, I mean, the whole point of the interview, she got pissed off at him for responding to her statement.
1: No. Uh, the, the interview, I've never seen an interview more bathed in irony. Yeah, I okay. mean, Jesus. Okay, and hypocrisy. So let's start. At the, Jill makes a great point. Ben makes a great point. Let's take it one at a time. Number one, let's start with Ben's, okay? She says, uh, uh, you know, they want to prevent a response. Yeah. First of all, they don't want to prevent a response. They are who they are. It's not like they thought... Oh, okay, great. I'll have my husband die so that I can make a really clever point about the upcoming elections. Are you sure? Okay. They are who they are. So I guess if Ann Coulter has her way, they wouldn't be allowed to speak. Because just by the very nature of their speech, and culture objects right. that they're preventing her from a response.
11: The next then, volume in her book will be declaring that these women actually went and set up the IEDs over in Iraq to kill their husbands so they could come back and make these statements without being responded to. Well, yeah, keep out, she's, she's
9: not she's not talking about them, Jill. She, of course, am I wrong? She, you no, know, she's talking about the 9-11 She's talking people. about the women who lost husbands because they were in the World are Trade Center right? when the frickin'
11: planes oh, flew. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, guys. Well, no, she, no. Because the only name that she had to throw out that I guess has pissed her off enough is Sinishian, no, no, right, who right. is a mother Mother that lost a son and all of a sudden then got political. Right. She didn't have have an example of any wives whose husbands died in 9-11.
1: Yeah. Uh, Then Matt Lauer makes a good point. Well, how are they preventing a response if you've written a book, which is a response? And you've said, uh, you know, he didn't say this, but he should have. And you've said some vile, loathsome things in response, right? So how are they preventing a response? uh, Then third of all, uh, the great irony that Ben pointed out here... Look, these are the guys who wrap themselves in the flag. Guys, and when I say guys, I mean literally guys referring to Ann Coulter. Wrap, wrap themselves in the flag and say, If you dare criticize the president who is the commander-in-chief of the United States of America, you are treasonous, and you do not support the troops. Now, when Sidney Sheehan says, well, One of the troops was my son, and my opinion is this, Ann Coulter says, Oh! I guess we can't respond to you. I guess you're trying to prevent a response. And calling people treasonous, that doesn't prevent a response? Saying that if they uh, don't agree with you politically, that they are against the troops, that doesn't prevent a response? Women...
4: Oh.
9: If Ann Coulter wants to disagree with the 9-11 widows, she can do it. She does not get to say, I've never seen women... I mean, she doesn't get to say without people calling her crazy. She gets to say whatever she wants. But you're going to get called crazy when you say uh, what she said, that she's never seen women take such... What was her phrasingology there? Uh, Such joy. uh, joy. Such joy, such pleasure in their husband's death.
1: Okay, now, point number two, which is the one Jill brought up, um, which is she's talking over Lauer. That's their one of their main tricks, okay? That's why I don't allow it, you know, when if they come on this show, that's why Dick Morris walked out on us. Uh, that's why sometimes we get into shouting matches, etc. And if I go on one of these shows, nobody's talking over me, okay? Why? Not because, oh, oh, I'm jank, no one talks over me. No, because it's a standard political trick that they have. They keep talking over you, keep talking over you, so that... Y- Literally, they don't allow you to respond, and they figure if they can That's talk. That's part of Jenks' doctrine of infallibility. Right, if they See,
11: can they talk, don't really respond by using big words. I mean, half the sentences you said didn't make any sense. There was There's just a just lot of like, politi- and politicizing infallibility, responsibility, and sympathy. You're like, I, I, that sentence didn't make any sense, but yet, of course, when Matt lara had to take a breath from you screaming right. over it, it sounded like you were saying something important. Right, right, right. Uh,
1: and that's what they do. They try to confuse you as well. So, uh, you know, the, their idea is, if I can keep yelling, I'm going to get 70 to 80% of the talking time, and my opponent is going to get you know, 10, 20, 30 percent of the time, whatever they're left to, the crumbs they are left on the table, and I'm going to win by sheer mass, because people are going to hear me more than they hear them. And
9: uh, And they're right. And I will say stuff so outrageous that you will spend your limited time responding to the crazy stuff. I say we're having the conversation on my terms. Exactly
1: right. And so, uh, and then, and then, after they've yelled at you, after they've yelled at you for all this time, when Matt Lauer... Asked a very polite question in response. She says to me, Are you getting testy with me? Are you getting testy with me? Bitch, haven't you been listening to yourself for the last five minutes yelling at me? Are you getting testy with me? Uh, Matt no, Lauer
11: couldn't have been calmer the entire interview. I mean, he could have made such a fool out of her in that moment. But yet, I mean, he, he was like easygoing because he knew she was going to actually make the fool of herself just by opening her big fat mouth.
9: Young Turks uh, uh, guest, uh, frequent guest, uh, Peter Dow. um uh, wrote today, that sort of Lauer, he thinks that Lauer did a bad job, and he thinks that uh, I'm very sympathetic to the situation that Matt Lauer was in, but uh, but I also get what, what, what Peter was writing, that, that in a sense he had two possibilities, he, that he needed to say, there are two possibilities here. Either you believe what you've written, in which case, well, it's simply outrageous and you're a kooky person, right? Or you don't believe it it's so outrageous you can't possibly believe it and you're just saying it to sort of be sensational and get attention in which case you don't have any right to be a hundred mile within a hundred miles of this network
4: What do you think America's indolent mainstream media would have done if Bill Clinton had been caught leaking documents that both compromised international CIA operations and compromised the very lives of CIA agents? Do you think the whole story would have completely disappeared in less than two weeks? Well, what about this? What if Al Gore had handwritten notes all over a news story that showed that Al, as vice president, had actually helped Clinton engineer that leak that's only a few steps less than treason? And what if we found that Al Gore's chief of staff, under fear of perjury, had to all but admit that Clinton and Gore specifically told him to engineer the leak through old, reliable political hacks posing as news reporters? If all that had been going on during the Clinton years, do you think mainstream media would have been leading the evening news with stories about rape at Duke University or Barry Bond's steroid use? Hell no! The hatchet job that would have been done on Clinton and Gore would have made Clinton's sexual cigar escapade look like a 10-second soundbite news. You've probably figured out what's up with mainstream media these days, but just in case you haven't, let me shed a little light on the topic conglomerate media still has a hope that before this new, very short-lived Republican dark age is only memorialized in pages of high school history books, before that rapidly approaching inevitable day occurs, there's a hope by corporate media that they can squeeze out one more huge favor from this lame duck president and his lame Republican Congress. You see, they want their Republican buddies to create legislation that expands their ability to monopolize conglomerate media like a General Electric run by NBC or a Fox News run by Murdoch. They want to come to your town and not only own your local TV stations, they want to own your local radio stations, your newspaper, and yes, even your favorite blog sites. It's corporate piggishness at its worst, taken to a whole new level of monopoly. In 1980, about 50 separate corporations owned all of American media, TV, radio, magazines, newspapers, book publishing. Today, only five corporations own all of that. So it shouldn't be a surprise that ABC, NBC, CBS, and CNN intentionally make stories like the Downing Street memo disappear as quickly as they appear. I mean, think about it. What if Clinton had planned out a totally bogus reason for a war that killed and crippled 35,000 American soldiers in the process? Because you can bet that if Clinton's name had in any way been associated with the Downing Street memo, NBC, CBS, and ABC would have been printing out wanted posters and plastering those posters up in the post office. In the eyes of the media, the difference between Clinton and Bush is that Clinton couldn't help his greed whore that's now known as conglomerate media. Remember, only two years into Clinton's term, he ended up with a Republican Congress. So Clinton and Gore weren't capable of delivering enough for corporate robber barons like Jack Welch and Rupert Murdoch. But the shrub in his Congress still could possibly deliver. In fact, you might remember Mike Powell, Colin Powell's son, who ran the FCC tried to pave the way for an almost solid monopoly for conglomerate media. Powell almost succeeded and because of that near success, America's new media pig pack is trying to move closer to the trough in the short time they have left to dance with the Republicans. That's why there was never any serious follow-up on a story about Jeff Gannon, the male prostitute who Carl Rove planted in the Washington Press Corps, Rove expected Gannon to speak slowly and use words that Bush could understand at press conferences in hopes of making Bush look less ADD-afflicted. Well, that ruse was a miserable failure because Gannon wasn't a reporter. He was a male prostitute who serviced other men. And even the Washington Press Corps had enough sense to see through it, but still the story died as quickly as it developed and we never heard Bush say anything intelligent in spite of the Jeff Gannon plant, nor did we find out who Jeff Gannon was entertaining in the dark hallways of Washington. And we shouldn't forget all the other countless stories that got so little airtime that most of us barely even understood the details, like $9 billion that to this day is still missing in Iraq, money that was supposed to rebuild Iraq immediately after the invasion, $9 billion stolen under the Shrub's Watch, and the media barely yawns about it. Or how about the story about Jim Baker? George Bush's closest political ally who's representing the Saudis in a lawsuit that was brought by families of 3,000 Americans killed on 9-11. That sounds like a pretty important story to me, but not conglomerate media because it doesn't pay for conglomerate media to cover a story like that. There's nothing mysterious about why stories like these get so little airtime and so little exposure. The truth is that news journalism is dead. Not because journalists have forgotten how to cover a big story, but because major media outlets have killed real news reporting for the time being in hopes of that last big chance, that one last chance to create an even bigger cash cow media monopoly during these last days of this political dark age that has smothered and marginalized democracy for six long years. These precious few days that are left when Republicans can do what Republicans seem to do best, and that is sell damn near everything to the highest corporate bidder. And today... That high bid comes from corporate, conglomerate media.
1: The PAP Attack on Air America Radio Network. Go to ringoffireradio.com or airamericaradio.com for more info.
5: Honestly, if you were Ann Coulter's attorney at a sanity hearing, where could you possibly start? Our number two story on the countdown, eclipsing even Bill O'Reilly and Malmody, the Connecticut screech has continued her assault on 9-11 widows after calling them witches who acted as if the terrorist attacks happened only to them. She's now told Reuters News that they are, quote, professional victims, all as part of the promotion of a book in which she claims liberals are, quote, godless.
7: This part is, is the part I really need to talk to you about. These broads are millionaires, lionized on TV and in articles about them, reveling in their status as celebrities and stalked by grieferazis. I've never seen people enjoying their husband's death so much. Yes. Because they dare to speak out?
10: To speak out using the fact that they're widows, this is the left's doctrine of infallibility. If they have a point to make about the 9/11 commission, about how to fight the war on terrorism, how about sending in somebody we're allowed to respond to? No, no, no. We always have to respond to someone who just had a family member die. The because then, in if the we respond, oh, you're questioning their authenticity. No, so the grieve, story but is quietly. no, the story is an attack on the nation. And by the that way, that requires a foreign policy response. And that by the does way, not entail the They also the criticize the Clinton administration for their failures leading oh, up to that. Not, not the ones I'm talking about. No, they oh, have. No, no, no. They No, oh, no, 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 no. But is no, your message to them just No, no, no. They were cutting and- commercials for Kerry. They were using their grief in order to make a political so point while preventing anyone from if responding. If you
7: lose a husband, you no longer have the, the right to have a political point of view?
10: No, but don't use the fact that you lost a husband as the basis for your being able to talk about it while preventing people from responding. Let Matt Lauer make the point. Let Bill Clinton make the point. Don't put up someone, I'm not allowed to respond to, without questioning the authenticity well, of the week. you are allowed and to I- respond to them.
5: Well, yeah, I did. Let's return to this planet. To recap Coulter's argument, the wives of those who died in the worst attack in this nation's history enjoyed their husbands' deaths and profited off them. They have politicized 9-11. Their positions as wind- widows immunized them from any criticism or debate over their opinions. All of this stated by a commentator, much of whose income in the last four and a half years has derived from her speeches and writings about the deaths of those same men on 9-11. All this stated by a commentator who has staunchly, repeatedly, and enthusiastically defended an administration that began to politicize 9-11 within a month of the nightmare and has never paused for a moment since. All of this stated by a commentator who has called those who have criticized her and her party un-American and now godless. All of this stated by a commentator who is bitching that these 9-11 widows can't be criticized while she is writing a book and going on TV and venomously criticizing them
10: if people are going to use a personal tragedy in their lives to inject themselves into a national debate I'm sorry you can't just say oh we're off limits oh now we're going to invoke the fact that our husbands died and you can't criticize us um they were specifically using their husband's death and there were gosh hundreds mean they're enjoying in fact it. I mean, thousands thousands they're going home at night widows. and their, husband's
0: gone and their yes. kids are there and where's dad and it's jeez it's so yes. depressing
10: and so are the thousands of widows who were not cutting campaign commercials for Clinton these women got paid They ought to take their money and shut up about it."
5: The way Ann Coulter always does when she's criticized. Ms. Coulter's monthly walk on the swaying tightrope of her own emotional stability did not end there. In her book, she also wrote, and by the way, how do we know their husbands weren't planning to divorce these harpies? Now that their shelf life is dwindling, they'd better hurry up and appear in Playboy. Appearing in Playboy and getting divorced, neither of those being scenarios Ann Coulter is ever going to have to deal with in her life. Five of the most politically active of the 9-11 windows, including Kristen Breitweiser and Lori Van Auken, have responded in a written statement. Contrary to Ms. Coulter's statement, there was no joy in watching men we loved burn alive. There was no happiness in telling our children that their fathers were never coming home again. We adored these men and miss them every day. It is in their honor and memory that we will once again refocus the nation's attention to the real issues at hand, our lack of security, leadership, and progress in the five years since 9-11. And lastly, back to my allusion to the nightmare of having to defend Ann Coulter at a sanity hearing that was inappropriate, because it was insufficient. Imagine in fact defending her on Judgment Day, trying to find her soul.
1: I'm so 14-year-old teenage girl.
9: Well, I'm glad you mentioned uh, uh, American Idol because it relates to the funniest program I've ever seen, live and direct with Rita Cosby, which I saw last night. Now, they don't have the whole show available on the web, and I'm going to butcher some of this, but all I want to get into, in addition to a number of the funny things that happened on the show, is give you, my brother was going to be on the show, so I T-voted. Mm-hmm. And then just, because I didn't know when he was going we were watching the beginning of the show, my wife and I, mm-hmm. right? And I just want to tell you essentially how it began.
1: Hello, this is Rita Cosby from
9: SNBC. You know, it's not actually that far off, but, but I'll, I'll do Rita because it's she easy. Is like an
11: old haggard smoker?
2: No, she's just, good evening everybody, I'm Rita Cosby. Tonight it's love, American style. That's exactly how she sounds.
1: Can I tell you something? Yeah. I, I thought I was pretty good. I'm not playing. like I'm, I really thought I was pretty good at it, but y- you win. <laughs> you win. Now? That's great. That's perfect. That Tonight,
11: much like a man? Have you never heard her? No. Not, oh you sound, would
1: know if you heard it. She doesn't no, sound like a man. She doesn't sound like
9: a person. She sounds like she's got a problem. Yeah. So it's Why a, did you put me on TV? I can't even speak. Alright, now now for she me to ready. get the the real essence of this, you gotta let me run through this. Alright. So here we go.
2: Good evening everybody. I'm Rita Cosby. Tonight it's Love American Style. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even let myself do it. Tonight it's Love American style. American idol style, that is. Right in the middle of my interview with second runner-up Elliot, a special idol guest tonight, surprised us and jumped into the conversation. Okay? And then they go to the videotape. So I'm already laughing, right? They go to the videotape and you see this uh, and you
9: hear a voice. Uh, you see a guy on TV who turns out is Elliot Yaman. Who's that? He finished third, third. or something. And, and you hear this voice go, you don't have to tell me I'm cute, man. And then Elliot says, because he's doing an interview with Rita, and you see Elliot say, well, well, I think you are, man. You are cute.
2: And you know, and then Cosby says, I can set you guys up on a date if you want to. Laughter right yeah. and then they go that would be great and, the, and he, sorry, the guy says that would be great and then there's laughter and Rita's like ha, 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 ha. right so our, it was uh, as awkward as it can be and then they come back and it's back to Rita doing her live intro to the show that was a piece of tape back to Rita and she goes and for the first time on television Angelina Jolie's father actor John Voigt, is talking about the birth of his granddaughter Shiloh and his fascinating new movie but we begin tonight with major developments in the vicious murder of a Clemson University student murdered with her own bikini. Oh no! No, that's in the that's in the transcript. That's it? I saw it. Oh, but we begin tonight with major developments in the vicious murder of a Clemson University student murdered with her own bikini. Now it sounds like The Simpsons. I thought they they're making it. They're spoofing these shows. It's on MSNBC, what on God's green earth are you thinking? And what I mean, in these times
1: where we might go to war with Iran, where we got Iraq and the Haditha massacre and the whole thing's falling apart, Who the to University undergrad murder with her bikini. And, of course, she's a pretty blonde girl, you know. Who, oh, Rita Cosby? No, no the, the, the girl that University. Oh, I was I was going to say. I didn't look, look, I,
11: realize how in danger I was now. It, it makes...
1: I wouldn't it, fuck Rita Cosby with Ann Coulter's dick. <laughs>
11: <laughs> and look
9: it, it it makes us bad people because i we're laughing this poor girl's murdered i don't want to laugh right. at that is a terrible tragedy for her family oh. But it gets just a tiny bit worse because oh. they brought in her friends the day <laughs> the day of her funeral and they talked about how great she was. And she was clearly a lovely girl and I also read an
1: interview with her father and
9: she the She was fans.
11: actually killed by her own bikini? She
9: was strangled. Somebody killed her and apparently
1: strangled her. I don't know. It doesn't the funny matter. The thing is, is, now Jill's interested <laughs> in the story. She's like, hey, can I... You got you, you, Did you save that T-Bone <laughs> version of the show?
9: I still have it, by the way, yeah. So anyway, so they, so they bring the three friends out. And one of the friends, it's the day of her funeral, can't stop laughing during the interview. At like, so when was the last time you saw her? Well, I saw her at the restaurant. We always go to... <laughs> and you're like, Jesus, oh, Jesus, Jesus, please stop. So anyway, that's Wait, agony. Rita but Rita You couldn't stop laughing? No, the friend. And the friend was nervous, and I'm sure she cried afterwards. And they clearly love this girl. And I feel bad for them. But it makes everybody a bad person. Because then finally, they have the friend on, and she reads... I'm gonna. I want to do it after the break. Okay. Because she reads. A, she reads a poem. Oh,
11: no. oh <laughs> no! And I don't look. And I
9: want to just be very. I'm not. I don't.
1: I don't. I'm not laughing at the girl who got murdered or family. No, of course I know. not. Of course not. I know. I please. And the funny thing is
11: that's
2: to, thought it was very moving.
11: But that's happened to me at funerals. I don't know why. Maybe it's just the nervousness. But I've gone to funerals where somebody gets up to read where somebody's been strangled I, with their bikini. No, but somebody thing. gets up to read like a tender poem or sing a song and. I just <laughs> I, lose it
1: <laughs> because you can't. Don't read a poem at a funeral. I love you. You grieve your own your way, but don't read a poem. I mean, then, no, look. Don't strum a guitar. Look. Don't dude, sing a song.
9: No, if you want to cry,
1: if, if you want to read the poem at the funeral, read it at the funeral.
2: Please don't then go on and read it on right. MSNBC with oh, Rita no, Please saying, don't so do that. It makes it
11: that, that much more complicated. And the poor I mean, friend. People like us are detached from this girl are going to find it humorous. And the poor friend,
9: I mean, she's laughing and she's laughing at inappropriate times. And I know as soon as it's off, she's it's a defense mechanism. As right, soon as the camera's off, crying. that friend's going to start crying.
1: Right, of
5: course. You know,
9: and, and, oh, God, it was brutal. It was brutal. But what was kills brutal.
1: me is that Rita Cosby looks, uh, uh, uses this for ratings purposes and for entertainment yep. purposes and then pretends to care about it. That's kind of what drives me crazy about it.
2: It's an outrage.
1: It is. We'll have the poem when we come back on The Young Turks.
6: Um, Greenpeace, the militant environmental organization, put out a press release condemning nuclear power recently, but maybe they released it a bit prematurely because it read, and I quote from the press release, in the 20 years since the Chernobyl tragedy, the world's worst nuclear accident, there have been nearly what? Complete the
4: quote. There have been nearly, um, this this was a mistake they
6: made? Let me, uh, let me help you get it. It's hard to guess, but if you were Greenpeace putting out a press release, what sort of thing would you say that?
4: There have been at least. Um,
6: I... <laughs> this is what it says In the 20 years since the Chernobyl tragedy, the world's worst nuclear accident, there have been nearly fill in alarmist and Armageddonist factoid here. <laughs> <laughs> Unquote. <laughs>
11: <laughs> I think someone at Greenpeace just went on early summer vacation. No, yeah,
3: well, someone's spending more
10: time with their family.
6: <laughs> <laughs> President Bush came to Pennsylvania this week to advocate for nuclear power, and, and Greenpeace was ready with, it turns out, a kind of tree-hugging <laughs> version of Mad Libs.
1: That is so much better, that quote, than anything we could have
6: I know. thought up. That's what I wanted. The embarrassed spokesman who put out the release said that the fill-in language was, you know, a staffer's joke, and it was released mistakenly. He said, quote, given the seriousness of the issue at hand, <laughs> I don't even think it's funny. <laughs> to which we say, fill in derisive disagreement here. LAUGHTER <laughs>
8: uh-huh.
10: be hard to believe, but today marks exactly one year since the disappearance of Alabama teen Natalie Holloway. The high school senior vanished without a trace during a trip to the island of Aruba last May.
9: Back on the Young Turks, Ben and Jenk and uh, Jill with you, and uh, we're almost done with the
11: that was Rita Cosby. She has that. Um, I, for those of you that don't live in Los Angeles, um, but Jillian Barbary, she's a local news mm-hmm. person, weather girl here. She's on office. the
9: Fox, uh, the NFL pregame show on Fox too.
11: But she's got that raspy, whiskey drinking, party girl, smoke until four in the morning voice. Yeah, like, Rita Cosby sounds like
9: Rita Cosby sounds to a, me much lower than she's Jillian a whiskey Bar-
11: slut.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's puzzling. Anyway, oh, my so,
9: God. Who so,
11: hires somebody with a voice like I that? I don't
9: understand because I don't, I don't. I, God bless her, I I don't know what she brings to anything. I, she's not that attractive. She's not... Uh, Sexiness
11: she, with her voice.
9: She doesn't ask good questions. She covers insane stuff. I don't understand. But I don't understand television, and I'm an idiot. And look, it's not No, like
1: no, no, no. You know why they hired her. I mean, let, let's fill the people in, for those of you who don't know. Uh, she was on Fox News She's She was on Fox News, but
9: she doesn't do She doesn't even do right-wing politics.
1: She doesn't do anything. She does this. She does the politics of distraction. She does the Natalie Holloway stories. That's her forte. And MSNBC, classic MSNBC move, they're like, I don't know. Let's hire somebody, anybody from Fox. Uh, uh, And they're like, well, we can't get O'Reilly. We can't get Hannity. We can't get any of the – how about that Rita Cosby girl? And then I'm sure they had a meeting. They're like, does she she look and sound and – uh, terrible to you, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. She's on Fox. Let's hire her anyway. Like that may That's be definitely oh, how. But it then went I down. don't
9: understand why. Then I don't understand why Fox hired. Like, I mean, you want to do politics of distra- the the distraction. There are a lot of people who can do that. That's all I'm saying. I, uh, but I hear you. That part is also true. How she got as NBC, the fact that she bet on Fox.
1: But Fox, to- she didn't have her own show on Fox. She was just a reporter that ran around on wasn't all those stories. No, she was like
9: on, there was like Rita Crosby and Friends. I thought she had her, I thought she had a friend. Not a primetime show. Maybe she had like some rinky I, I have no idea. I, you may be right. I have no idea. So anyway, then they, they, they ask her friend, Erica Cooler, and I want to apologize ahead, Tom, do a janky, right? I'm about this, we're bad guys. Because mm-hmm. her friend's reading a poem. They lost their friend. And I feel bad for them. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to see it on TV, and it's ridiculous. Here's the poem oh, called gonna More gonna Than a Person an Inspiration. And I'm not going to make fun of the girl reading
11: it. I was going to say you should read it in her voice. B- no.
9: I'm not gonna, no, no. She, she was more than a person an inspiration. Her life was full of determination, a beauty within that shined through her eyes for all to see without compromise. The all-American girl who knew, to, who knew how to have fun never gave up until the job was done. The first to give you a hug, but the last to let go, strong in her faith and didn't do it for show. A friend you could go to for the best advice, she's everything you needed, especially nice. She cared about others more than herself, as guaranteed Tiffany was like no one else. She touched people's lives and provided so much hope, no matter the issue, she knew how to cope. She lived every day as if it were her last and didn't regret anything she learned from the past. Her life was full of determination. She was more than a person, an inspiration. She enjoyed a good meal, especially Linguini. How ironic, then, that she
0: was killed with her own. Thanks for listening, everyone. I certainly hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it really is one of my favorites of all time. Uh, now, I want to mention that in the previous episode, I said that in the next episode, meaning this one, that I would be producing a, a rerun show that had some new content in it, so it'd be kind of like a new episode. It was a, a story that was really relevant to today. Um, well, I didn't do that. I, I ended up using a different show instead because I realized that uh, the episode I was going to produce, the story may not be over. There may be more to it. I'm going to wait to see what happens and uh, and then probably put together a, a big package on it in uh, in sometime in the beginning of the new year. And, you know, for the holidays and just for fun, I'm going to do a little contest, which I've never done before, and give away uh, five free memberships to the the first five people who email in uh, and tell me what the news story is I'm referring to. So the clues are that it was a big news story a long time ago, it had some new things happen in November, and more things are going to happen Pretty pretty soon in you know end of December beginning of January I'm not really sure exactly when um, and I'm going to produce a show about it. So if you can uh, correctly predict what the topic of that show is going to be, uh, I will uh, send you the details as though you had just signed up for a membership. Uh, giving you access to the bonus feeds uh, including uh, audio and video content that's in the show as well as you know completely bonus content that doesn't go in the show at all audio and video stuff that I come across and I like but doesn't make it into the final cut of the show. Now today what I'm going to do is uh, something I don't normally do which is read an email on the show and I have an ulterior motive for doing it and we'll get to that in a moment, but uh, but mostly it's just because I find it particularly irritating and so I wanted to bitch about it for a moment and also correct this person. Now the reason that I have to correct them on the show rather than just responding by email is because this was an email sent anonymously through the website. Now I actually mentioned this not terribly long ago so you've probably heard me say it before. Uh, I find it really, really obnoxious when people send um, anonymous messages through the website. I uh, didn't set it up that way on the website on purpose. My webmaster did, and he he did it in a completely well-meaning way. But what it means is that about 80% of the messages who they come through there are uh, from douchebags who don't want their identity to be known, so they use the cloak of anonymity to uh, to you know say. Stupid things, basically. Uh, things that are uh, almost always discounted uh, entirely out of hand as soon as I get them. Uh, what this person wrote is as follows Listen to you just about every week for a couple of years. Now have to go through some circuitous route because apparently you have bent to the hegemony of Apple and converted your subscription download in iTunes to M4. Any money involved? I liked it better when you had a paying job and did this as a volunteer. That's what people do for a cause. The end. That's the entire email. Um, this email is completely wrong in almost everything they wrote. Uh, I don't know how long they've really been listening to the show. It, it shocks me that they would listen to the show for a couple of years and come to the conclusion, like, this is an appropriate email to write to me. Um, you know, intentionally offensive and uh and wrong on its face in in their accusations so first of all whatever problems they're having i have no idea what they're talking about i haven't changed anything about the production of the show nor have i changed anything about the uh you know delivery method of the show in years so whatever problem this person is having i can guarantee is completely on their end And when they go on to say that I've bent to the hegemony of Apple and converted my subscription download in iTunes to M4, uh, not only are they being, you know, intentionally offensive, but uh, also M4, that doesn't actually exist, I think what they're referring to is M4A, that is the format that the show is produced in, one of the two formats actually, And, uh, and most of you probably don't even know that that's the case. About 80% of you download the show in this format, .m4a, and it is what allows me, among a couple of other cool things, is what allows me to put in chapter markers into the show. And uh, that's something that you can't do with a standard MP3 file, and that's exactly the reason why I would also use this other non-universal Apple, uh, Apple-only format is because you people love it. <laughs> when when I get comments about the show, usually number like two or three on the list of reasons to like the show is because it has chapter markers. It's really easy to skip around. You can listen to something over again. I mean, you guys know why you like it. So so that's why I use this format, but I recognize that it's not a universally accepted uh, format. So of course, I also produce the show in standard MP3, which is uh, playable on every MP3 player on the planet. So uh, whatever problem this person is having, whatever switch they think I made, uh, they're wrong. And if they hadn't sent their email anonymously, I could have just sent them an email with a link to the MP3 feed for the show and they could have been happy as a clam. So why in the world would I read this email to you? uh, Besides the fact that I kind of in the back of my head, I'm hoping that I reach out to this one person and say, you're completely wrong go get the other feed for the show and fix it. And what would be nice is like an apology email, <laughs> but that's not really why I'm reading it. What I'm really reading it is to uh, mention again how much I hate this uh, you know, anonymous message feature that's on the website. And, uh, and to say, if I were to ever uh, revamp the website, rebuild it from the ground up, that would almost certainly be the first thing to go. And uh, which brings me to my next point, which is that in 2011, I have high hopes for completely revamping the website and rebuilding it from the ground up, and I would love your input on it. So uh, what you should do is send me an email, or I will be having these uh, you know discussions on Facebook if you're into that sort of thing, so just follow us there and you'll see when I post. Uh, I've I already posted there once to get some input, But I have a few things in mind, such as, uh, you know, a forum, a live chat room, uh, a members-only login area. You know, give me ideas on what you'd like to be inside of that members-only login area, besides just details about, uh, about the membership and how to get the bonus content. Better integration with uh, Facebook and Twitter, that sort of thing. So you can, like, really, really easily link to the show or the show's website or, you know, an individual episode and say that you like it on Facebook so that that goes out to all of your friends, that sort of thing. Um, And so on and so on. I mean, like, I've got an okay collection of ideas, but um, this show has always been best supported by you, the listeners kind of working as a community and so the last thing I want is to kind of direct the creation of a new website with features that I think that I would like to have on there because I think that you would use them but maybe you wouldn't and uh, and then leave out a bunch of stuff that you would like just because I'd never heard of it I mean bring to me out of the box concepts anything 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 and um, I will be taking everybody's advice under advisement uh, obviously, <laughs> and uh, we will go from there uh, to build a new website. So I think that'll be fun. It, it, you know, it could create better ways to interact with the show, uh, get more involved, that sort of thing. So send any suggestions you might have to me, Jay at bestofleft.com. And if you want to be like personally involved with the creation of the website, let me know that as well. I'm sure there are a bunch of uh, web developers out there, uh, graphic designers, wh- whatever, whatever your skill is. If you if you want to be involved, I, I would certainly uh, take the help. So that's it for today. I want to thank a couple of members before I go. Ken S. signed up for a, a monthly me- membership back on April 29th as a leftist level. And Blaine T., Signed up also as a leftist on February 9th and went ahead and signed up for a full year in advance. So huge thanks to Ken and Blaine and all of the members, uh, regardless of their level, who absolutely make the show possible. Everyone can support the show by telling everyone you know about it. Stay connected with the show and spread the word online via Facebook and Twitter. And for details on the show itself, including links to all the sources and music used in this and every episode, all the details are always listed in the show notes on the blog. So, coming to you from far outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast, coming to you 10 times a month. Thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show from
8: bestoftheleft.com. Black and white, cause you took apart a picture that wasn't right? Bitch burning on a shining sheet. The only